And now it's time for the Scrub Brothers Show. We're putting the body back together. Listen in and learn how amazing the human body is. Learn in a way that's a bit irreverent and thought-provoking. And now it's time to check in for your appointment with the Scrub Brothers. Michael, welcome back. Thank you, John. Welcome back to you, too. Glad to be here. Beautiful, cloudless sky here in Scottsdale, Arizona. Scrub Brother extraordinary. I was in Pine Ridge, uh, South Dakota last week. Oh, the, so, I, so yeah, it was. Uh, so that's why we're a week delayed. It was seven degrees, snowing, and brutal, and that was warm for them. I can't even. You, you can't imagine people living outdoors like yeah, how tough are the Native Americans. So, so not only are they really tough, but a lot of them do not have electricity. I just, I was just talking to one of the folks yesterday who got diagnosed with sleep apnea. Has a beautiful CPAP machine. Can he wear it? No. No he wants to wear it. He has no electricity. How, how do they stay warm? They can't be burning firewood all the time. They'll put a Weber grill in their house or in their house and, and light the Weber grill and keep them warm, which is problematic because it's carbon monoxide. Oh I mean, my it, God. It's, it's unconscionable that in, in the United States we have this level of poverty. Are you sure you didn't go to a different planet because it can't, it can't be it, the U.S. It makes it's me just, sick. It's, it's these, tragic. These are the first folks here. It makes me sick. Shame anyway, so we're talking about Diabetes and diabetes is big in the Native American population. But but first, before we start, I want to hear about it. you. Have a phenomenal story. Oh yeah, you know, thanks for for stopping that too, John. <clears throat> Pardon me, folks. The so you know we put these shows on and we're having a heck of a good time doing this. But we do it for a reason. It, it is a, it, truly to to entertain, quote and educate. You know, if you're vacuuming or washing the car, we thanks for thank you for listening for us. So I had a patient walk in the office and she literally was she literally had tears in her eyes and she said. She goes, I wanted to come and tell you that I think your Scrub Brothers show saved my son's life. And you think, what? And she said, because she's the sweetheart of a gal. She said, all the males in my family die when they're 50. My son was 51. She said he had everything wrong with his blood work. And she's going through all the numbers and everything, John. So she said, what happened was I made him listen to the show on sleep apnea. And he actually went out and got tested, got a CPAP. She said he's been on the darn thing, and they got him back. And just doing that alone with a few changes in what he's been doing, all his numbers, she said, came back perfectly. And I, she had me listen to his voicemail on her phone, and he said, yeah, Mom, you know what? That Scrub Brothers show really really opened my eyes. And uh, he goes, I, I can't thank That's you enough. That's very cool. So isn't that amazing? That's very cool. It's, it's really wild. So I was so, so uh, kind of proud of that and heartfelt, and it was a beautiful thing. It really and, was. And sleep apnea is so underdiagnosed. It's unbelievable. It's and unbelievable. it's so prevalent. Uh, and people that don't think they have it. I mean, I've got plenty of folks. All right, Mike, diabetes type 2. Now, I'm sorry, but I, I've got to, I'm going to throw you under the, I'm going to throw you under the bus. Rob, is there a surprise here? <laughs> it, it's like, can you get the kick me sign off my back, Rob? Did you not no, take it off Mike, this, this morning? Is, this I got number two. This it's is good. done I, out I of it. love. So what is diabetes type 2? It's the, the, it's the old term was non-insulin dependent diabetes. And it's basically when you're, when you know you have insulin, insulin secreted from your pancreas. Then when you have diabetes type one, the your pancreas because of an autoimmune reaction stops secreting insulin. And diabetes type two is it's still secreting insulin, but now you become resistant to it. So the glucose that's in your blood cannot get pushed into your cells via insulin. And there's a lot of reasons for this, but diet and and sedentary lifestyle will go into them all. Um, but a lot of it's diet. And I just happened to take a gander at what you brought into the studio this morning. And, and this, is, 
this can be the sustenance for a small country. <laughs> your crackers that you're eating. Crackers. I, by the way, there are two packages of 30 grams of carbohydrates. 30? Wow. Holy cow. 30. The Starbucks, 53 grams of carbohydrates. Why don't you start just eating sugar cubes? My in, in, the, uh, in my Starbucks? In your Starbucks, 53 grams. That's a lot. Yeah, it's like drinking syrup. Well, well, no, and the Snickers. Well, I already had syrup. <laughs> yeah, I'm getting to that. <laughs> the Snickers bars, two of them, and they're not the juniors. Those Snickers bars make Johnny Wild look small. They're so big. 23 grams of carbohydrates in each. This is like 150 grams, and that's not including the pancakes you had for breakfast. What is wrong with you? He'll make up for it at lunch. No, I'll tell you right now. Yeah, see, because here's the deal. I, I, that's, that's not like a morning thing. This is, that's a pace yourself and keep your sugar levels up while we're doing this show. But, but that's not what you're supposed to be doing. Well, I mean, that's, that's literally bad for you. That is killing you. It, well, it's killing me that I'm not eating that Snickers bar right now. This is killing me. Just walk over and get it. I thought, God, how, what, what's... I'll sip it. I'll sip the Starbucks. It'll last me a couple hours. 53 grams. <laughs> I used to drink those Starbucks refreshers that I thought were, quote-unquote, kind of good for me. They were real, made with real fruit juice. 27 <laughs> grams of carbs. I'm like, this is the last time I... I re- finally read the package. It's like, the last time I drank the damn thing. Have you had 27 grams of carb all week? No, I have. I'm, I'm, not, I'm, not, a psych- I'm not psychotic about it, but I, but I definitely now look before I eat right, stuff. yeah. Um, but yeah, my, so my, my math skills aren't quite big enough. I can't carry all the decimal points. <laughs> all right. Type two diabetes can caused by being overweight, uh, drinks with a lot of sugar and simple carbohydrates in them. Snickers. I mean, Snickers bars, <laughs> artificial sweetener, lack of activity. That's certainly not you. Lack of exercise. That's not you. Stress and stress hormones. Um, are you are you a stressful guy? I mean, do you get worked up about stuff? Oh God, are you kidding me? I, I go zero sixty all day long. That's why when I start, as soon as the gun goes off in the morning, man, I tell you what, I feel like honest to God, if, if I was a football player, I'd, I'd be done. They call leaving on the field, done, spent. Why? So why is that? Because I'm that, that's I'm not that way, and it's got to be genetics. Oh, it has to be. But I'm totally wired up about you know just by nature. But just like wired up, you know, just uh, so so. What that does is shoots up your cortisol, shoots up your shoots up your requirements. You dump more cortisol into your blood. You you shoot your blood sugar up, and then that's why you have this constant fluctuation. Probably like you need to eat more Snickers to keep your blood sugar up. Only on days uh, when we're together, John. That's the only <laughs> thing. But uh, like like Clint Eastwood said, a man's got to know his limitations. John. That's well, all it is. Speaking of that, Mike, being sedentary, including watching more than two hours of TV per day, not me. Really? No. Saturday, Sunday, football games? Saturday, Sunday. Well, Saturday. Does everything count? Uh, yes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah John. Does everything count? Uh, okay. okay. God. These two I'm days sorry, shouldn't I'm count. Sorry to, I'm sorry to harass you, you but know, you know, I... Is Renee we, in the room? We need you, She's got to be sitting we here We need someplace. you around. <laughs> yes, we do. <laughs> okay, so what are the signs and symptoms after eating all that crap? Uh, excessive thirst urinated a lot, and I do notice, Mike, that you go to the bathroom like four times during our Scrub Brothers talk shows. It's a prostrate thing, I think. I, I think it is. It's well, well, prostrate. Let me ask this, Doc. <laughs> if, if you're thirsty and you drink a lot, wouldn't that make you go to the bathroom a lot? Well, it does, but so does having, so does having a lot of sugar in your urine because mm. it's, an osmotic, it's an osmotic diuretic, so you're pulling, you're pulling fluid out of your blood, and that's why you're peeing a lot. So diabetics who have, who have poor control of their blood sugar pee all the time because they can... 
all that sugar pulls pulls Water the plasma system. out of your system. Yeah, right. and it is prostate, John. Just so you don't mispronounce that again. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. So, have you had your blood sugar tested recently? And because don't test it now, because you'll be in. Oh no 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 no! Actually, I did, and it was fine. I've had it. Che- yeah. Really? I, yeah. Uh huh. My blood pressure, my blood sugar's been fine. <laughs> the other stuff's all whack. Because <laughs> what I what I don't want you to do is burn out your pancreas. Because I'm 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 sure you're burning out your liver, but now hey, the pancreas sits close to it. Well, yeah, but see, here's the I I, I did I changed what uh, what did I do? I took my blood pressure pills since uh, you've been talking to me last time, so I'm good oh, there. Hey. Yeah. Yeah. So, so the problem that so they call you know high blood pressure the silent killer. Certainly, diabetes can be the silent killer as well, because you get these microvascular changes where all this, all this um, glycogen and and sugar, I guess for lack of a better way, is they clog up your small blood vessels, and so it's it's slow healing. So if you had a cut, it takes a long time to heal. Increased chance of infection. You're definitely increased risk of stroke and heart disease. And I'm looking at you, and I'm looking at you too, Rob. <laughs> He's looking Don't at both <laughs> He's got one eye on each of us. Oh, man. How come every time you do a show, I get whatever you guys are talking about? (laughs) So, (laughs) thank God we haven't talked about syphilis yet. Exactly. (laughs) Rob and I are going to hold hands and go to the bathroom together. We both got to go. But this this will decrease your life expectancy by years, by 10, 15 years. If you have type 2 diabetes, it's not well controlled. And it's it's almost totally preventable. Diet and exercise. All right. And once you have diabetes okay. too, do you have it for the rest of your life? So that's a great question. It's the, it's the most common type of diabetes. Um, but no, there are people that can get diagnosed with it. And with a pretty good regimen of, of diet and exercise, you can control it to a point where you may not require medications for it. Yeah, I knocked off a bunch of, I don't even do donuts. Well, not much. I a piece or two. So you about. Just got back from the pancake house. Well, yeah, but that was. So about. Was, <laughs> Three or four years ago, I was diagnosed with diabetes too, and my A1C was like up near eight. And then he gave me medication, and I've never ever had it above six since. But you're on medication. But I'm on the medication. But he said I'm on the lowest form of metformin that there is. Could that have been a bad reading one time? Nope. So I've got it. Probably, but you know if you. If you really are strict about your diet and strict about exercise, you may not require metformin. No, I, I take metformin because metform, metformin has been shown, and I don't have type 2 diabetes, but it's been shown to um, um, decrease the risk of cancer, heart disease, stroke. Uh, and these large studies where people that are on metformin seem to do better in general than people that weren't on metformin. So I think metformin is, is actually protective in a lot of areas. Oh. Uh, and, and people use it now as anti-aging. Okay. So you know the way this whole thing works. So insulin, good for you, Rob. Mm-hmm. I knew that. That's All the reason right. I had that high rating that one time. That is. <laughs> you mean on the radio or just in general? <laughs> so you know how insulin works. Insulin is like a key that lets glucose into your cells. So if you're in type 1, you don't have the key. The key is not being made anymore, so that you have tons of circulating sugar. In type 2, uh, you have a key, but the key doesn't work. Someone changed the lock uh, because your cells get resistant to insulin. And most times type 2 comes on later in life, although you can see some, you know, 20-year-olds with type 2. So symptoms, fatigue, peeing all the time, increased urination, excessive thirst because you're peeing all the time, um, blurry or cloudy vision, uh, lethargy, wounds that don't heal, numbness or tingling to your feet, uh, erectile dysfunction. Um, and then I see people with this all the time, dark skin under their arm, 
Mike's like, hey, that ain't me. I've got one right now. Dark skin under their armpits around their groin. So it's, and that's just from this glycogen deposition. So their skin kind of turns dark. So, so what does the excess of sugar actually do to, to harm you, though? I it, know those are the symptoms. It, but. Yeah, it, it, it really, it, probably the easiest way to think of it is it clogs up your microvascular system. So, you know, in your, all over your body, brain, heart, lungs, tissue, you have these incredibly small blood vessels called capillaries, and it clogs up their ca- people's capillaries. So you'll see people with long-standing diabetes, and not even that long-standing diabetes, um, and they get a small cut that doesn't heal. It takes a long time to heal. And these folks who come in and get their toes amputated all the time, you know, they, literally it's like nine, eight, seven, and they just start losing toes. So they get a little infection. It doesn't heal. It gets necrotic. Their skin turns black. Their bones get infected, and you literally have to cut off their toe and then their foot and then their lower leg. And it's often because of diabetes. And then it also trashes your kidneys because it destroys your kidneys' ability to process as blood goes through it to filter, the, filter your blood and make urine. So these folks are on dialysis often. So, I mean, it is a, it is a big problem. And if, it's, if you don't get under control, this, the effects are cumulative. So that's why we're, you know, when I, where I work in the reservation, Native Americans and some other ethnogenesis are, are prone to it. African Americans are as well. And so we're really, we really screen heavily for it. And the folks up there, you know, if you go to the bashes up on, um, up on the res, they have a, you know, a lot of, they have very few fruits and vegetables in there and a ton of carbohydrates. And carbohydrates are really the death of people with diabetes and, you know, kind of in general. And what I, about the fruits and things too, though? Is, so it, is fruits, it because the fibers go with them and it's not as bad? Is that why? Well, so I don't eat a lot of fruit, but, you know, anything with a high glycemic index. And so, you know, one of the things I read is if it's white, it ain't right. You know, in other words, you shouldn't be eating things that are white. So white bread, pasta, flour, things like that. And, and you know, I'm not, I'm not the... Glucose, the carbohydrate Nazi, I, you guys make me out to be. No, I'm serious. Um, Brian, but is he full of bologna or what? I think he's had four carbohydrates since Monday. He did, no, sorry. I had like nine grams so far this morning. I had a bar. <laughs> so what are the risk factors? I got nine. He has that my one, bite, one bite of his Snickers bar. I realized for a the second week. I said that, how much abuse I was going to get. Oh, that my sentence. God. He had nine old Oh, carbs. my God. Do you, do you remember, the, remember the Monty Python? You got to remember this real fast. The Monty Python uh, movie, it wasn't the Holy Grail. It was the one where they had the, sec- the skits all over. And this hugely fat guy sits down and oh, they're yeah. trying to talk to me to eating one more. Just one. one Wafer thin. Mint. One, mint. one little more mint. One more mint. And the guy eats it and explodes. This we know, that John will be able, be able to attend both our funerals. I hope he can pay he's for them. living all of us. Well, I, I will do your eulogies. <laughs> If they had it just listened the to the Scrub Brothers, it was <laughs> yeah. a Snickers. Yeah, that'll really bring a lot of tears to people's eyes. It's his fault. <laughs> Dumbass ate some Snickers bar. told him not to. <laughs> Risk factors, you two idiots. Age greater than 45. Family history of diabetes. Um, predisposition, race, ethnicity, being overweight. Um, Can I stop you there for a second? The, yep. the race thing. Is it because the, the I didn't I didn't know uh, black folks had, had this, but don't the, the Native Americans have they call it the survival gene or however that's termed where they process carbos, carbs differently, right? Yeah, and I, to be honest, with you, I don't know, but I I think you know when you talk to Native Americans, you know they were the original hunter gatherers, and they the obesity was not part of their you know was not part of their genome, and over the last 200 plus years, you know, we've turned it into them because we, the 
the um, you know Caucasians basically gave them really poor substrate for food and put them out on reservations where things didn't grow well and so and so instead of that we'd you know we'd give them all this processed food and a close friend of mine is an epidemiologist go to Africa and you know the pictures were darling because she's surrounded by these like these you know she's as white as white can be and she's surrounded by all these you know black faces and she's educating them about one of the things about coca-cola and there's tons of coke products over there yeah it's cheaper than water it's actually less expensive to get a <laughs> liter of coke than it's get a liter of water there and one of the women asked her she said this really struck home was she was trying to say because diabetes is so prevalent why would they do this why would they give us this if they know it's bad for us in other words, why would they make it so cost, wow. you know, so low cost that we drink this over water, not knowing that it's actually really detrimental to their teeth and to their overall health? You hate to sound paranoid, but you know you can sure as heck process water a lot easier and cheaper than you could. Yeah, Coke. So that's a really good question. Yeah, not was, a, not yeah, a good she said it really struck home that you know we're this seems very purposeful. Yeah. Um, so how do you how do you diagnose it? So the easy way is a fasting blood sugar. If your fasting blood sugar is greater than one twenty five. So you don't eat for 12 hours. You wake up, get your blood sugar greater than 125. That's a risk. I mean, that means you probably have type 2 diabetes. If your non-fasting blood sugar is greater than 200, uh, that's, again, a risk. Your non-fasting blood sugar right now, Mike, I'm surprised you haven't urinated yet. Maybe you have. I'm lifting my feet up. <laughs> I'll never tell. Um, is, is you're definitely a risk for diabetes. Then, Rob, you mentioned HbA1c, which is this um, glycolated hemoglobin. It's just where glucose combines with this protein, and that's what HbA1c is. And if it's, if it's over 8, as I recall, uh, over 8 is problematic. It should be really not over 7. Um, but if it's over 7 or 8, um, you definitely have a risk. Okay, quick question. I'm at like, round 6. Does that mean mine is under control and I'm not having the issues? Or once I have them, I should always try to eat less and less and less and less, try and get it down into the fives and fours. Or... I think the lower you get it, the better, the better off it is. I think normal is between 3 and 5.5 or something. I had mine done recently, and it was, I think it was 5.1. And I was kind of surprised because I don't eat, as you guys have harassed me, a lot of <laughs> carbohydrates. Um, so prediabetes is diagnosed 5.7 to 6.4%. Um, really? If it's greater than 6.5%. HbA1c greater than 6.5, that's diabetes type 2. Okay, how would a guy like you have that reading then? Pre-diabetic? No, I was, no, was 5.1. Okay. I was a pre-pre-pre-diabetic. Oh, pre. Like maybe next life. Okay. <laughs> and it's funny, I was never a carbohydrate Nazi before until I started looking at what I was eating. And I literally ate like you. Like, oh, Snickers bar is good for you. It gives me energy. It's just all sugar. And then I would notice my blood sugar would spike up. I'd feel good. And then an hour later, I would start... I would start being really tired and, and lethargic. And then I'm like, I need another Snickers bar. And it's, it's almost like an opioid addiction in the sense that you start to crave it because your blood sugar drops. I see you're sweating right now. I am. Licking your lips. <laughs> if I could reach that Snickers. He's, yeah, he's trying to unwrap it very quietly <laughs> yeah. in front of the microphone right now. <laughs> so, so that's it. So, so, I mean, the take home is get your blood sugar, get a fasting blood sugar checked, uh, ch- check your A1C. And if it's elevated, um, start addressing it. But for me, all that took was reading what, I, reading what I was eating. And I'm not a big fruit and vegetable guy, um, but there's still plenty of things you can eat that are healthy without drowning yourself in carbohydrates, drowning your miseries in carbohydrates. We were just on vacation, and my wife, of course, made me read this book that the 
I was presented to the hygienist uh, here in, in Phoenix. <clears throat> Pardon me. And uh, it's a it's not a, a glycemic index. It's a glycemic load that this guy was really pushing. So when you read the, the worst thing you can have, like for a load, and, and he said, which is different than the index, is a, a bagel. And I read that bagel was way off the charts. Second thing worse was pancakes, which I did not have this morning. What did you have? I had scrambled eggs. Oh, oh, thank you very much. I'm sorry. Yeah. I was harassing you over little, pancakes. Little uh, black coffee, uh, no sugar, no cream. Yeah, that's me. Yeah. But you stirred it with a Snickers bar. <laughs> yeah, you know, got to do something. <laughs> so that's a couple of medications you can take. There's a lot of oral medications you can take. Um, metformin, as Rob mentioned, is, is certainly one of them. And there's a number of other ones. Also insulin. And, and if you take insulin... Um, that's in, injectable. Generally, you can u- wear it as a pump um, or inject it yourself, and it's su- sub-Q. Um, and we give it IV. We give IV insulin a lot in the emergency department if someone's blood sugar is really high. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, but people who take it generally just take it sub-Q. So let me stop you there real fast. When they come into the emergency room, their blood sugar is really high. What's, what's going on? Is it shutting their brain down, or what's well, happening? So when your blood sugar is really high, you, you can get two, it's like one of two conditions. You get non-ketotic uh, hyperosmolar hyperglycemic. Or you get diabetic ketoacidosis, which you get very acidotic, and that can be fatal. Uh, so I'll see people with a blood pH of 6.9, normal 7.4, and you've got to really aggressively treat them with fluid, uh, IV insulin, oftentimes their potassium's um, elevated, and you have to rapidly address that as well. So um, you figure that out first by taking the sugar levels? Is that what you do? We take the sugar levels, then you check their ketones in their, in their blood and the level of that, um, but, then you, but you rapidly treat them anyway. Um, and we see this a lot. I mean, it's, it's pretty prevalent. And it's, it's, I mean, it can be fatal. I haven't had anybody die from it in, in years now. Um, but in the old days, you know, 10, 15 years ago, dying from DKA was not unusual at all. Um, and so to kind of the wrap, can diabetes type 2 be prevented? The answer is absolutely. Most of it is we, it's our own undoing, our own doing with simply uh, poor diet, lack of exercise. Yeah, and if you don't feel guilty now, Rob, then you're going <laughs> to pass, pass the bagels. <laughs> but, you know, I wouldn't eat a bagel thinking, oh, this is whole grain. It's probably good for me. Well, that's, that's the thing I came away with, too. No, I really did. It's, I'm doing this this morning, but I, this is not what I do every day. But, but I, um, and I'm pretty good about I cut out almost all the donuts, not all of them. But, you know, donuts, God almighty, come on. I mean, dear Krispy Lord. Krispy Oh, I haven't had a donut in forever. See, and I, but I love them. God almighty, I love those darn things. How do you not love them, you know? I walk by, and they're like, John, <laughs> eat me. After a eat while, me. though, Dr. Schufeld, that being on the diet that you are on, do you not crave, do you find yourself really not craving this, or is it always a battle? No, I, it's it definitely the craving. I thought, okay, there is no, so, you know, I have friends, I'm paleo. I'm like, okay, there's no way I could ever do this. And one day, I was, it's a little bit of a long story that I won't bore you with, but one day I said, okay, today's the day. I started looking at what I was eating. I'm like, screw it, I'm done. And I... It literally was that easy, and I'm, and I love sweets. Mm-hmm. I mean, I love homemade pasta. I love pizza. I love all that stuff. And I just said, nope, today's the day. And so you, you just quit. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm not a, I'm not a nut about it. I'll, I'll have wine. I'll have a piece of bread every so often, but, but I definitely am a lot more conscious. And have you felt a difference in your energy levels? Huge. I was already. I mean, I was always moderately energetic, but now I'm energetic plus. Have you found that uh, you sleep? less or you need less sleep or do you find that your sleep is more of a regular thing i think it's more regular but what i what 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 woke me up so to speak is that i would in the you know i'd have lunch which was quote unquote normal lunch and by two o'clock i'd be drowsy like falling asleep drowsy and i noticed that when i 
when I'm much more have much stricter control of what I'm eating, I get much less drowsy. And it's just you know it's it's fuel, and the better the fuel, the better you feel. The worse the fuel. And now if I eat a crappy diet, I, the next day I feel worse. Hmm. So I definitely noticed it. All right, Mike, you ready for the question of the day? Yeah, I am. And John, this is an interesting one because we haven't had this from. Uh, this is actually from uh, Yonkers, New York. Uh, Guido uh, writes in and says, uh, "I take narcotics every day for my chronic pain." Uh, am I addicted to narcotics? Now, first off, for all you Guidos out there, I apologize. But if my parents named me Guido, I would take narcotics as well. Um, well, poor guy. I mean, <laughs> who knew? So, so the answer, Guido, is uh, unfortunately um, yes. So the so what we believe now that if you're on um, if you're on narcotic medication for more than eight days you have a really highly uh, probable um, risk of being addicted to narcotics, of starting to develop an addiction to narcotics. And, you know, one of the things we've got to change in the United States and probably worldwide is that, oh, you're just an addict. You're just a worthless drug addict. You know, you can't do this. And it, and it actually changes your brain chemistry. So this whole, this whole thing like you're a, weak, you're a weak person because you're addicted to this stuff is crap. It's false. It's you literally have a disease process that was created by taking this medication that a physician prescribed to you or a dentist prescribed to you, um, and you've developed a tolerance to it and then an addiction to it. And it really takes about eight days. So I'll tell you, since I've learned about this over the last couple of years, my use of narcotics in the ED, now if you have acute pain, you're getting morphine, a lot of, I don't know, fentanyl, I don't care. But sending people home on these 30 days worth of, of Percocets, done. I mean, maybe they'll get three days. Um, and it's hard for folks because they come in and they say, well, I, you know, I need some narcotics. I, I was on them. And I say, well, let's get you in pain management. Let's do this, this, or this. But the days of giving you 30 Percocets are, at least for most of myself and most of my colleagues, are over. And in fact, in Arizona, you know, thanks to Governor Ducey, we really cracked down on this. And so you just can't go into a farm. And I always tell folks, I said, hey, I understand this is the way it used to be. And this was really because of a guy who wrote a paper um, gosh, in the 80s about how we're under-treating pain and about how most people don't turn into addicts when you treat their pain, uh, which unfortunately people took way to the nth degree and it was unfortunately wrong. It's, it's super prevalent. Yeah, and that, that, uh, w- when you said that too, when, when they're in pain management, how do you get them off of that? Uh, so, well, there's something called medical-assisted uh, uh, pain management, which is you wean them off over time. People are on opiates, um, opioids, and then to stop cold turkey, they're miserable for a few days. Uh, in fact, you can die from it. Um, but they're absolutely miserable. They come in with vomiting and diarrhea and sweating. They look like hell. And then I'm like, oh, wait a minute. All of a sudden, it's like, were you on narcotics? Yeah, have you had any in the last couple of days? No. And they do not think they're addicted to it. And I always really coach them up and say, this is not, a, this is not some sort of mark on you. This is something that your neurochemistry has reworked, and now your body requires it. And same with benzo, same with things like Valium. I mean, they're highly addictive. So you almost have to give them the opioids to get them off. So well, give, them give them a dose less. and then give them less and less and less. Yeah, and less. You, you taper them off. But it's tough. And, you know, if you're on a 30-day prescription of Percocets, you have a, you have a 30% chance of developing a significant opioid addiction. Is that right? Yeah, it's, it's super I, prevalent. I've got a, a patient of mine I'm really concerned about, him, and uh, because I didn't know this, and nobody really knew what John was talking about. Until last year, and they cracked down on dentistry big time. We can't call things in. We they they, they give you a report once a quarter. You you're prescribing too much. 
But this guy, he, 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 and I'll tell you, I just think about this, like John said, he's had a knee replacement. Well, this, he's going on a month now when he can't do this, can't do that. Now they're going to put him back in because he can't bend his leg, and, you know, they're going to ratchet that thing open. He's going to be back on pain meds again. And I keep thinking, this is going the wrong south. direction for this guy. Yeah, it really south. is, yeah. I, I think I'm to the point where, I mean, I haven't had a narcotic pain medicine. I think I took a, took a pill after getting knee surgery. But I was so paranoid about it, and I didn't like it anyway. I just felt weird and didn't feel like it helped pain. But I get the fact people are develop a tolerance to it. Yeah, we, we uh, right now we always try and put people on either a leave and Advil and Tylenol at the same time. Yeah, it works right together. Yeah, it really does. And people hate to hear that because they want that script, man. Yeah. You know, they got to have that stuff. But Okay, quick funny story. So a long time ago, I was walking through Cook County Hospital down in this, uh, Chicago, which was a, kind of a knife and gun club. And it's Sunday morning. I was doing Obigaini. And I was with this, my resident, who was this five-foot-tall, um, very Jewish um, intern. And I was a third-year medical student. And it's Sunday morning. We're up all night delivering babies. And then we're going to do rounds the next morning, Sunday, and then leave by noon. It was kind of the old days where you'd work 36 hours or so. And it's 7 a.m. And we're walking through between Fantas Clinic, which was the clinic part, which was newer than the hospital. And the hospital still was, I mean, it was, God, I swear it was built in the 1800s. It was so old. And so we're walking through, and these two dudes come up to us. And they go, hey, man, uh, can I borrow some money? And... And I'm wearing scrubs. I don't even have a wallet with me. And um, and the resident, I don't know what she had, but she had her white coat on. And and I go, I I don't have any money. And and this guy whips out a knife. And he goes, no, man, I want to borrow some money. And I'm kind of incredulous because these two guys are about five, four each. And I thought, even with a knife, I'd probably stand a pretty (laughs) decent chance of, of, of smacking around a little bit. And so just, and I'm still a little bit just incredulous, like, okay, this is a hospital. You're robbing what you think may be a physician at knife point. I mean, where am I? So right when I start going through this process in my head, this little resident just goes off on these guys. I know you. I've seen you here before. I think you do. And these guys are looking at each other like going, wait, we don't want any piece of you. You are psychotic. And they literally run away. And chances of them showing up the next week, are pretty good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, I remember you. Yeah, because yeah. you were shot, I think shot or stabbed. She right. just went off on them. How great is that? Oh, it's hysterical. And then I said, thanks. Isn't that great, yeah. though? It's always good to have a five foot four bodyguard next to you, isn't <laughs> oh my it? God. And, she was, and she was kind of a nut job to begin with. But man, I tell you what, these two guys thought she was a you know, full bore psycho on them. Yeah, having people think you're crazy doesn't, isn't always a bad That's thing. Bad. <laughs> and on that note. <laughs> oh, great show, John. Good job. Great stuff. Thanks for listening to The Scrub Brothers Show. Every week, putting the body back together right here. Listen live or on demand 24-7. Join us next week for your appointment with The Scrub Brothers.